Hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Did you know people that listen to the Dynasty Crossroads Show are 20% more likely to be happy? Probably, maybe. This and other maybe facts on the Dynasty Crossroads. Check it out. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan, that is Matt, and Mr. Price, we are out without McDowell this week. So it's just the two of us, as Will Smith once said. <laughs> yeah, it's always a little bit nice when, uh, not nice, that's mean, I guess, but you know, we get to stretch out a little bit, kick up our, our shoes. We're going to talk about some uh, rookie running backs. You know, he told us last week that the, uh, the the stuff that we talk about about these players on the field puts them to sleep. So uh, you and I, we can we can nerd out on these guys, and he can he can take a nap. Uh, yeah, we're gonna side. fill your ears with uh, with what we think of a few mid round running backs in the rookie report this week. So that should be fun. Uh, of course, we got our sleeper stash of the week, and uh, we got a trip in the Dynasty DeLorean planned for you guys as well. So um, you know, you mentioned Matt that. Uh, what what Ryan said at the end of last week's episode when when he said we we put him to sleep, uh, he's sure to listen. Do you think he'll get any Z's this week when he's uh, <laughs> when he, we get to that segment? I hope we bring some fire for him to you know to to list him out of out of that sleep. Yeah, I guess I guess I hope he comes up, uh, back on the show next week and just just gives it to us and um, what we missed. Me too. Uh, Me too. We'll see what happens. The startup. Yeah, the startup this week. Lots of lots of trickling in news, of course. We're, we're inside a month away, Matt. You and I are going to hang out and watch the draft. That's exciting. Uh, of course, McDowell will be there. A couple other buddies uh, from from DLF or DLF past, I guess, even. Uh, we're going to get together and watch the draft. But there isn't, there isn't a lot of news. Lots of hearsay. Lots of rumors. Lots of this might happen. That could happen. The biggest, the biggest bit of, of quote unquote news that I saw in the last few days, Matt, came out of Tampa Bay, uh, at least dynasty related. And that was Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Bucks. He said he wants second year running back Rashad White to be a quote three down back. And those of us that drafted White in the second or maybe even the third round in some setups, uh, last year, we're are, are just salivating at the chance of White being that that bell cow running back down there in Tampa Bay. Sure, Tom Brady moves on, but that still is a good passing offense that still has some pieces in place that could create some opportunities for White to be a playmaker for dynasty managers. So, you know, when you saw the news, Matt, that or at least that quote that that White might be that three down option down there in Tampa. Was how did, how do you take that news? Yeah, I mean it's exciting to I mean, as somebody who was I think higher than most last season. You know, I think I think we all on the show like Rashad White quite a bit, especially that receiving ability. We kind of saw the path to receiving workload if something was to happen to Giovanni Bernard as the pass catching back, and it did. He got hurt, and then after that, you know, we saw Rashad White get some some play as a, as a lead back a, a little bit, and that receiving ability that definitely came through. 
Um, that said, I mean, this Tampa Bay offense is going to be kind of a nightmare, I think, <laughs> in 2023, if we are going to see Baker Mayfield run the show for the entire season. So running back 22, Dan, uh, it feels, gosh, it feels a little bit, it feels right, I guess, considering all of these aging vets that are that are kind of declining in value. What's going to happen to Elvin Kamara? Dalvin Cook seems to be out. All these 2017 kind of running backs are are uh are falling so it makes sense to push up the youth like this but i just there's there's so much there's so much needs on that team are they going to take a running back i kind of feel like they're going to add somebody i don't think they're just going to hand everything to rashad white and even if they do that offensive line is bad the quarterback is bad so uh i i'm a little bit afraid of what he might do this season Mm, that's a little surprising for me, Matt, considering where you stood on him during the draft process. It, it, it sounds like it's all related to what's going on or, or what isn't there anymore down there in Tampa Bay. And I think that's all fair. You mentioned the ADP, RB22, right around guys like Joe Mixon and Damian Pierce directly above him. And then directly behind him, Delvin Cook and Aaron Jones. So some names in there that have scored a lot of fantasy points for dynasty managers in the past, but Mixon, Delvin Cook, and Aaron Jones, 26, 27, and 28, respectively. Uh, Rashad White, already an older second-year tailback, really. He's 24 years old, uh, age 24 season, but getting that opportunity, and you you kind of hit on it there briefly, Matt, the second half of last season – he split that role with Leonard Fournette as the primary tailback, and he had a couple of really nice games there in Week 12 and 13, finished as the RB9 and RB10, uh, 19.9 points, 16.9 points, and over that stretch, that last uh, 10 or 11 games was a fringe RB2 despite uh, sharing that role, sharing that backfield came in an RB 26 there in the last 11 games of the 2022 season. So now with this news that maybe he could have that full-time role, there's the potential for him to be a RB two for dynasty managers. If we're, if you're sitting there looking at that ADP RB 22, that's round six, right in there. Um, 72 overall. Are you thinking, man, with this, with this blurb, if somebody's after him, really wants him, am I willing to move on? Or are you out there actively trying to add Rashad White? I don't think I'm actively trying to add him. I did just look at my rankings. I have actually have him a little bit above ADP at running back 18, just ahead of Miles okay. Sanders and behind Damian Pierce, Aaron Jones, that kind of range. Um, and that, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too high on him based on that ranking, but I don't think I'm adding him just based on that situation. Uh, but do we trust the coaching staff? I just don't know. It doesn't feel like a back that they're that they're that's that's going to always just like have this role. You know, it just feels like they're going to add somebody significant in that draft. Um, so I just the running back class is so deep. Like we're going to be putting how many how many guys are we going to be ranking out of this class ahead of Rashad White? I feel like I think we could get five or six guys up there ahead of him. Uh, so. I, I don't know. Running back 22, I'm ahead of I'm ahead of ADP, I guess. So I guess I'm buying. I guess I'm ahead of the market on that. But I'm I'm not uh I, I don't feel like he's a solid player uh in, in his situation, I guess. So I'm I'm not buying, but I'm glad to hold what I have. Yeah, right now, just three rookies above him in ADP. That's Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, and Zach Charbonnet. I could see a couple more jumping above him. 
Uh, we, we've talked about Devin A. Chain and, and yep. Ty J. Spears. Those guys, if they end up in the right place, um, you never know. They could they could end up being fringe RB2s as well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about White and really this Tampa Bay offense overall, and you hit on it briefly there. Um, the quarterback is where, where we have the problem, right? We, if we could figure out the quarterback position. Now you said, you said maybe Rashad, Rashad white, um, you're, you're a little concerned about him overall handling that role and, and maybe the coaching staff, if they'll, if they'll hand it over to him, it seemed to me in that playoff game last year, Matt, that they wanted Rashad white to be their guy when, when push came to shove and they had to decide who was going to be on the field, it was white that was handling the football there. Leonard Fournette had the ball just seven or excuse me, five times in that playoff game. Uh, meanwhile, white started that game and he had 41 carries on set or excuse me, 41 yards on seven carries and had all the passing game work more of the more snap share. It seemed to me like late in the season, they wanted to already turn it over to white and Fournette was just holding him back. Now with Fournette moving on white, White seems to be the the guy down there in Tampa Bay, and if I could get him at any kind of reasonable price, I, I think I'd be good with rolling out Rashad White as my RB two. I'd be especially good if he's my flex guy uh, going into twenty twenty three. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, are you you're not getting a first for him, right? You're probably not paying a first. You, someone's probably paying a second. He just feels like a player that's. It's tough to tough to do anything with right now, you know. Or, you're gonna or, you're gonna pay a second for him, especially if it's a mid to yeah. late second, are you? Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think anybody's taking that. Yeah, know, okay. Like, um, it, it's probably gonna. He's one of those guys in the fringe, right? He's gonna be that two yeah. seconds guy, and yeah. and that's gonna be a little harder to get, give up, I guess. If you can give a player in a second or a second and a third, um, you feel pretty good about that. This this blurb. This uh, news out of Tampa Bay, though, might keep those offers from being accepted. Uh, the second you send that second and third offer, you're probably getting the uh, counter of needing that first round pick to move on from Rashad White right now. Um, while we're at it, you know, Matt, we didn't we didn't hit on. I don't. At least I don't think we we hit on the biggest transaction that happened last week or about a week ago, um, and that was. Um, that was Elijah Moore, that trade, sending him from the Jets to the Browns. I know a lot of Packer fans, and both of us, uh, both of us are, are Green Bay fans, of course, uh, thought maybe Elijah Moore could be in that, in that Aaron Rodgers trade when it finally happens. That's not going to happen. Elijah Moore ends up in Cleveland. Any thoughts on that before we move on? I mean, you have to like it from – Moore's standpoint, just getting out of a from underneath a, a staff that clearly does not really want to use him up to his strengths. You know what we loved about him during that five or six game stretch during his rookie season was that he, he we we thought he was just a slot receiver, but he started playing outside and he succeeded outside. And then I, I still really don't know what happened. We had that news blurb early in the off season last year about him wanting and seeking a trade and that they weren't going to trade him. And then I, I, is that what put him in the doghouse? Like he just never really meshed with that staff. He never meshed with, with Zach Wilson. All of the success came with Mike white. Uh, and I believe I can't remember if it was Joe Flacco back then, maybe it was all with, with, with Mike white, but it was never really with, with Zach Wilson there. Right. So he's getting out of that organization, going to a place where we presume it's a quarterback upgrade uh, with Deshaun Watson there. Uh, so it, it's a situation upgrade for him. 
uh, even if he is maybe a little bit lower on, on the pecking order behind, uh, you know, obviously behind Amari Cooper. So um, I, I like it for him. I, I, for his, as far as his dynasty value goes, I'm not sure it really does a whole lot. You know, I think it probably bumps him up a little bit. Um, I moved him up a few spots in my rankings, but from a dynasty standpoint, I think it's about the same. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's similar. I think he just because he was in the news, maybe he gets a slight uptick. Like his ADP was 97.67, comes in right at the end of round eight, beginning of round nine. And that was pre-trade that that data was collected. So we're looking at him as a, a fringe wide receiver four at wide receiver 48. I could see him jumping a few of the names in front of him, move up to wide receiver 44 or 45, just because there's a clear line to him being on the field a lot more in Cleveland. I think that, that, uh, that, that, quarterback upgrade uh or at least the perceived one from where he came from uh the quarterbacks he played with a year ago that that's going to give him a slight boost either way early on in his tenure in cleveland he's going to have to make an impact he could go he could be a very very fast faller early in 23 if uh if he doesn't get the ball in his hands early on Sleeper Stash of the Week. Yeah, let's do the Sleeper Stash of the Week, where we take a look at a player outside our top 280p that we think should make their way on your roster. And I'm going to piggyback off of a conversation we had a week or two ago, talking about the Adam Thielen signing in Carolina. He's, he's outside the top 200 in our ADP and the 32 year old wideout that spent his whole career in Minnesota, although he wasn't super productive uh, this past season with the Vikings opposite Justin Jefferson, that signing caught my eye and really, really looks like a savvy place for him to land as far as his uh, short-term fantasy outlook, at least for me. I know we, we don't know which quarter, which rookie quarterback is going to be throwing him the ball, but to me, Matt, it really doesn't matter. He's going to have a young guy under center that needs somebody to get open early and often, and Adam Thielen is that slot target. When you look at the, the Panthers' depth chart, we're, we're not looking at any big names catching the football down there in Carolina, and sure, they might add somebody in the draft. In fact, I would say it's probably expected, but mm-hmm. the the Carolina Panthers, you could see a 32-year-old Adam Thielen being the most targeted receiver uh, in that offense. And that, that could lead him back into certainly wide receiver three type numbers in PPR leagues especially. And um, could, could kind of add a little bit to his dynasty value in the short term. So Adam Thielen is your sleeper stash of the week. Of course, that's brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new dynasty league or migrate yours to their platform. Enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place. Let's hop in the Dynasty DeLorean. Where we're going, we don't need ADP. Yeah, let's make a trip in the Dynasty DeLorean. We don't need ADP, but we'll probably reference it as we move along here. Uh, we're going to talk. This was Matt's idea and a very good one. Let's talk about dangerous 
dynasty running backs at this point. Not necessarily because of age, not necessarily because of murky situations. Really, it's everything, all of the above, right, Matt? We're, we're looking at across the league, there are a lot of spots where we're just not quite sure what's going to happen in that backfield. And the investment point at this point is is questionable for too many of these tailbacks. Yeah, and a lot of it is too. We we're going to cover three more today. This running back class is just so deep yeah. that I mean, it's going to it's almost going to be like teams are playing chicken. Like I think some of these guys that are very talented backs that would be considered, you know, top 5 kind of top 5 top 6 kind of rookie picks in in some classes, you know, a lot of these guys would have been the the third running back in the 2022 class pretty easily that we're going to talk way down at at running back 7, 8, 9, 10. These guys, you know, so uh, these these situations where we have veterans, where we have uh, players with low draft capital, uh, you know, I just think that some of these players we 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 see it every year, right? We see these running back situations that we think are solid, and then the draft comes, and two or three of these veterans have lost a ton of value, and uh, maybe eventually even their jobs at some point. So uh, we got we got I, I have fourteen teams here, uh, and there may be some we miss. So listeners, if we've missed some obvious situations, let us know. Um, but yeah, that's no, really I think the... you did a good job compiling a list. So let's start going through them. We're going to, we're going to jump in the DeLorean, try to identify which one of the, one of these guys, uh, either hold their value or, or lose some value, whether that be through age or, or declining play, or maybe even a rookie coming in because Matt, the more I look at mock drafts and I got to say, I'm addicted to them, of course, like many, many yep. of our listeners. <laughs> uh, and we're getting closer and closer to the draft, which means not just one round NFL mock drafts. We see more and more two, three, and four round mocks out there. And we start seeing these rookies land with these teams. And it makes you think twice about, oh, oh yeah, that team with that veteran that seems entrenched as a starter they could draft a second or third round running back and that could totally upend that veterans value moving forward. So let's, let's get in. We'll, we'll do these teams alphabetically since that's how you listed them here, Matt. Uh, And let's start down there in the desert with the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, the Cardinals have so many needs in the draft, but if you look at it from a distance, you see James Conner and all the touchdowns he's scored over the last couple seasons and all the production, you say, well, they have a starter already entrenched there. But outside of him, Keontae Ingram is probably the biggest name on that depth chart, Matt. When you jump in the DeLorean here and you look at this Arizona offense uh, here in a few months, are you, are you concerned? Is is James Conner's place on your dynasty roster, uh, is, it, is it really safe right now? I, I don't think so. He's going to be 28 years old, I believe. Uh, has has shown a propensity to be injured. He had that season a couple of years ago where he re- remained relatively healthy his first year with the Cardinals and was a very good fantasy asset. Um, but last season we saw that come back a little bit. He's also a uh, uh, easy cut after this season. Keontae Ingram did show some stuff, but you know I think we like Keontae Ingram, but I think we also think there's there's a handful of backs that could land here that are is more ta- are more talented than Keontae Ingram. So I think this is a potential landing spot. Now Arizona has a ton of team needs, right? This is a organization that seems to be on the trending downwards, I would say, right? Especially with with Kyler Murray's future uncertain, at least at the beginning of the season. So 
there's a there's a chance if they're a smart air organization that they they do not spend a premium pick on at running back. But like we mentioned, there's this class is so deep, uh, so it might not might, might not take a premium pick to get a guy that could replace Connor as early as this season. So I think this is a, a situation in peril. And if I have Connor on my dynasty team and I'm and I'm and I'm planning on counting on him for this season, you know, I might I might try to swap him for. Think twice. Uh, early, uh, yeah, that early third, late second kind of thing, and like, like if you can get that done, like you might, you might be able to draft his replacement. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind Connor on my rosters, especially if he's a flex right now. At the end of the year, he was really productive, and you mentioned the injuries there uh, in the middle of the season. In fact, he missed three games after being being not very productive over the first five weeks. In fact, he had an RB 15 finish in week one. After that, he didn't, he didn't finish better than week than RB 27 in a particular week. But after, after those missed games, he played eight more games throughout the rest of the season and never finished outside of the top 20 in running backs. So uh, pretty consistent, had a couple of top five finish. In fact, one, two, three, four top finishes, top five finishes at the position over the last couple months of the season, Connor with so many needs there, I'm I'm of the thinking that maybe Connor's one of the guys that a savvy manager goes and adds right now for their third round rookie pick and slides them into their flex spot. So although it's a dangerous situation, I think I'm willing to roll the dice with Connor. What do you say to someone that comes calling with a second round pick? Oh, I'm taking a second round pick for James Conner right okay. now. I, that's yeah. what I wanted to hear because in the trade finder, we have trades of the Elijah Moore we just talked about straight up for Conner. I'd rather have Elijah Moore. The 209 and the 302 happened just two days ago in a mm. league for, for James Conner. Uh, James Conner and Gabe Davis for Madison. You know, if you feel like Cook is maybe a cut, I feel like that's something I might consider a 2025 second for James Conner. So, I think these deals could could potentially be out there in some leagues. That was one of the biggest situations I wanted to talk about. I thought maybe we could we might be on opposite ends of the fence. There's a lot to agree on in Atlanta. I'm feeling mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Algier at the top of the depth chart. Of course, Cordero Patterson still there as well. Matt, uh, this is a dangerous situation if you're rostering Tyler Algier or Cordero Patterson. Yeah, and this is really, I mean, I think Algier played great. And this is, again, this is another team with a ton of needs, right? So it's it's possible that Tyler Algier sneaks through and is the lead back again. But it, it's risky, right? Like he's just somebody that doesn't have necessarily have the draft capital uh, to really keep him afloat if they were to bring in a rookie that uh, is equally talented, could certainly steal some of the touches, if not most of them. So it's not that we don't like Algier. It's just that this is a precarious situation. And if somebody... If somebody likes Algier for an early second, that kind of range, I'm I'm happy to move on from him. I will take any second for Algier. I don't want Algier on my team sure. in when the first round of the draft starts uh, here in about a month. They met with Bijan Robinson. They met with yep. Jameer Gibbs. I yep. see them drafting a running back in the first 40 picks of the NFL draft, and even Ooh. if they wait until the until the third round. I think I want that guy over Tyler Algier. Um, this is the most dangerous situation right now. If you're, for, to me, if you're depending on any Atlanta Falcon running back that's currently on the roster, 
I would I would look for another option immediately and spend the next three weeks before the draft replacing that guy in your starting lineup. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. This is a fun one. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. They're both veterans now. They've been around, and there are fans of both of these guys everywhere, Matt. Are you worried about these guys if you're depending on them at all? I don't think I'm worried about him for this season, but J.K. Dobbins, this is his fourth year on his final year on his rookie contract. If he doesn't play well this season, are they going to consider bringing him back? If he does play well, then they're probably going to franchise tag him like happens with all of these guys, right? So uh, there is danger there from from that perspective, from the future perspective. Um, So, I mean, I think they are certainly going to add somebody. It's just to what level and does that affect Dobbins for this season? I know we both really like Dobbins quite a bit. Thought he was going to be really good last year. And then, of course, that injury hampered him at the beginning of the season. And he never really uh, never really took over that backfield and hasn't to this point in his career. So dangerous from that perspective. It's dangerous because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they don't catch any passes, right? They're, they're not pass catchers. So in PPR leagues, they're their ceiling is so limited already. Really any Baltimore running back seems to be that way. Um, So I'm concerned. Of course, if you're talking about Dobbins as a flex at this point, you're probably just holding on to him and and rolling the dice that he, he stays healthy. And that, that few game stretch that he had late in the season where we saw him get 15, 16 carries go over a hundred yards and was the primary option at the goal line. Hopefully that becomes regular in 2023 and he can stay on the field. We do have uh, we do have we do have a new offensive coordinator, so we will we will yep. test the uh, we will test the the theory that they don't throw to running backs, and we know that Dobbins is a good pass catcher, so that's going to be interesting to follow. Right, a strength of his at Ohio State for sure. Uh, let's move on to the Chicago Bears. This is a good one as well. The Bears have so many draft picks, and of course, there's going to be a fear that they use one of those picks, especially in the middle rounds, on a running back with just Khalil Herbert and the free agent Deontay Foreman on the roster uh these there's there's lots of Khalil Herbert love out there right now Matt um certainly some Deontay Foreman love as well these guys are going to share the backfield if they're the if they're the the top two guys on the depth chart do you do you have any faith in these guys in 2023 I mean Khalil Herbert was really good last year I thought he was better than David Montgomery I thought he might get a chance to be the lead back and maybe he still will but it's just they don't have anything invested in these guys, and if they invest any capital in a running back in the draft, then it's highly likely that he's they'll both be supplanted. I think. I don't think the Bears are going to take use a top one hundred pick on a running back. They have so not. many needs uh, in the front, in the front seven, uh, on defense, in the back, and really all over that team. All Outside over. of quarterback, you could see them picking anything. Really, that offensive line needs help. Uh, the pass catchers still could – you could add one there. Um, I, I just don't see him doing that. I, I'm I'm with you. I, I like Herbert. I don't mind Foreman, to be honest with you, too. He's either. a cheap ad, a veteran that you want as your RB6 or RB7 right now that you might get some run out of uh, sometime in 2023. I'm, I don't think they're all that danger dangerous over there in Chicago. Maybe the most dangerous running back to really be depending on right now is over in Cincinnati, Matt. If you if you're following the blurbs there on uh, Roto World, if you're if you're following the news in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon seems to be an easy cut for the Bengals, and if they need space, he might be the first to go. Now, of course, Mixon, if he moves on, he's going to find work somewhere. 
but he he'd probably end up in a much more crowded backfield. Matt, what are your feelings about Joe Mixon? Danger? Are, are, are we seeing are we seeing like red bulbs blaring right now? Alert bells? Are we DefCom five or one or whatever right now with Joe Mixon? I think yeah, just because the situation is uncertain. Obviously, if he comes back to the Bengals and and they don't do we're in the delorean here matt you gotta you gotta give people something (laughs) uh i mean my my perspective is that he is getting cut uh this season i mean he's and does that make you want to move on from him right now because of the unknowns of where he lands i i mean again i just think he's another player like you're not getting a first for him and you're probably he's probably more valuable from a production standpoint from a second if you are a competing team right so it's he's just stuck in the middle again if i can get two seconds for him i i I think i might move on from him at that price but uh for a single second i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not going to do that i I don't think even if he's the guy if you're if you're moving on from him like you said you're not getting the first if you get that offer though you should probably accept it right now oh yeah yeah Um, um, smash most likely you're you're trying to move him for another player right maybe somebody a little bit younger Mixon's 26 can be 27 about the time the season kicks off and we're we're looking for guys in in that ADP range if you could get Javante Williams for him if you could get Tony Pollard potentially who we're going to talk about here in a minute Ramondre Stevenson those guys are right above him in ADP uh, if you want to jump across positions, that's another option as well. But going for draft this, picks with Joe Mixon right now, that seems that seems like you're not going to get what you need. No, not at all. And I just th- don't you just feel like Cincinnati is one of these teams that feels pretty complete. I mean, they have some work to do at, at uh, maybe a little bit of work on offense, offensive line to improve that situation. But it's like this is a this could be a luxury pick at that 28 pick in the first round i think yeah and even that second round pick and and they need yeah. a little help uh the big guys up front on the offensive line you could see them uh making a move on defense as well um but but i could see a second round running back end up in cincinnati and and joe mixon uh, on the chopping block because of it some of the other receivers that are right around him in adp guys like kelvin ridley and jahan dotson rashad bateman and Christian Kirk, all guys to consider pivoting off of Mixon towards at this point. Uh, let's jump over to the Dallas Cowboys. And you you put Tony Pollard. And if there is one on this list, Matt, that I thought maybe we don't need to talk about that guy, it was Pollard. With, with, uh, with Zeke moving on, it feels like Pollard is entrenched right now as the primary guy as long as he's healthy. But he's got that leg injury, right? He's got that broken leg. So is he going to yeah. be ready at the start of the season? It's. I don't think they're going to be rolling out just Tony Pollard and Malik Davis there. You know, if uh, Rico Dowdle is he going to going to do anything in the re- in the regular season? I just think they're a prime a prime team to draft a running back, and I don't think it's going to be Bijan there. But you never know. Is Jerry Jones? He's done it before with Zeke. So. Uh, I, I don't think that they're not bringing anyone. I don't think it's only going to be Tony, Tony Pollard next season. I don't think they trust him to, to be the primary, maybe the lead back, but not the primary three down back. Yeah. I, I, I see him sharing that backfield for sure with, and, and unfortunately it probably ends up being a, a goal line type guy that they add to, to the group. Right. 
that potentially takes away touchdowns and, and opportunities at the goal line. That's unfortunate. But if you have Pollard and you, you rolled him out those five times where he, he finished as a top five running back in fantasy last season, you're probably not moving on from him right now, especially considering the injury you're he, he's entrenched as your RB two right now. Most likely if he's your RB one. Yeah. Maybe you're a little concerned. There's a little bit of danger there. Um, but if he's your RB two, you're excited about the upside and he showed so much of it last season. Let's stay Ronald, in, uh, Ronald Jones, Dan, that's the running back two in Dallas right now on the depth chart. So that makes, there's way <laughs> less danger to Tony Pollard with, with, <laughs> Ronald Jones down there. Uh, the Let's stay in Texas with the Houston Texans and Damian Pierce and the the free agent addition, Devin Singletary. Um, to me, this looks like Singletary is the insurance policy for Pierce. Pierce is going to be the guy to me. Uh, that offense needs a lot of work, though. I don't think they add another running back. I think Pierce is the guy as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, but you know, fourth round pick, not not much investment. You could see them adding another another guy that could could be a part of that that committee. I think so. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think he's necessarily dangerous, but I think uh, he could have more competition than just Devin Singletary. Everybody knows I love Damian Pierce, so I'll back him forever. Uh, let's keep up, uh, keep moving along. Kansas City Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This is a sneaky spot to add a rookie that could make a big impact. A lot of people out there really like Pacheco. I'm not, I'm not one that feels real safe with him in my starting lineup right now. No, not at all. Seventh round pick. I mean, I know he he played he he vastly outperformed expectations, but. Again, a team that's ready to roll. Obviously, we want some more receivers there. I don't think Sky Moore and MVS and uh, are necessarily going to get it done, right? So we need some more weapons there. But uh, running back, it's it's thin. You know, is is Jet McKinnon going to come back and do it again at, at age? Was he thirty? Going to be thirty three next season, I think. So uh, maybe they keep it rolling with with Pacheco and some veterans. But it seems again a prime spot for uh, for one of these these running backs. Yeah, Pacheco, I know he's just 24 going into his second year, but he's RB26, and that price tag just doesn't sit real well with me right now. I think I'm moving on from him if I got him. Uh, Let's move on to Los Angeles. Both teams here. Austin Eckler with the Chargers. He's looking for that big contract out there trying to facilitate a trade behind him. Some unknowns, right? And then with the Rams, it's Cam Akers. So if you got a Los Angeles running back right now, how, how how dangerous of waters are we treading right here? It, 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 it just uh, we need to know what's going to happen with Eckler. You know, he doesn't want to play for them. They don't want to pay him more money. Is he just going to be? Is he just going to play out this contract, like, or is he going to escalate that and do a, a kind of a holdout situation? If that's the case, then I don't think they necessarily trust Kelly and Spiller to get it done. So again, a guy like Jack Charbonnet here. Oh gosh, give me some of that. Oh man, that's, that's a dream scenario, right? Um, I I couldn't agree with you more on that one. Let's go over to the Miami dolphins on the other coast, Matt. Uh, they, they brought back the, the duo, the, the old guard from, uh, San Francisco, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Both of them have had injury problems, but that coaching staff seems to love these guys. Every mock I see, Matt has the Miami dolphins in the first couple rounds investing in the position. 
And I just don't know if I see it happening. They don't, they don't value that position that much in, in that regime, the, the whole Shanahan tree. They don't, they don't spend top 50 picks on running backs traditionally. I don't think they do it here. While they might add one in the middle rounds, I think Mostert and Wilson, they're going to rotate on and off. And you, if you can figure out which one to start each week, you're probably a better dynasty player than me. Yeah, I I begrudgingly agree with you. I, this is one of my my favorite spots for rookie to land for for obvious reasons. But this is a team that needs needs a lot of help on the offensive line to help protect Tua if Tua is going to continue to play football, right? So uh, they re-signed both of these guys. I think they did they also bring back Miles Gaston. Not that he's necessarily a a player we want to invest in. I think they also brought back Savan Ahmed. So like they just brought back all of the veterans, right? So that that does tell us that they they're not interested in spending a ton of capital on the position uh i believe uh that said you know maybe these are insurance policies and they do spend up but i am I'm, I'm of the opinion that you what you said there dan that they're going to spend on offensive tackle maybe tight end now that gasecki's gone uh so uh, there's more needs here yeah they gave they gave durham smith smythe uh extension yeah. so they're yeah. set at tight end man <laughs> <laughs> How about in New Orleans? Alvin Kamara, talk about dangerous situations. Holy cow. Uh, but they they got their high-dollar insurance policy in Jamal Williams. Of course, touchdown machine in Detroit. I love some Jamal Williams with the Saints. He's going he's gonna to eat down there, I think. Um, I feel good about him. Not so much about Kamara. Yeah, just you know, we need we need more players. If Kamara is out, or whether it's this game or the entire season, I don't think it's just going to be Jamal Williams. I think he certainly has the lead back. And I mean, what's to say he can't get double digit touchdowns again uh, in that offense with a with a slight, I'd say a slightly upgraded quarterback, not a massive upgraded quarterback, but with another year of, of Chris Olave in there and Michael Thomas coming back if he stays healthy. I think this offense is looking good and will produce enough yards to get Williams some, uh, some touchdowns for sure. Yeah. It's Kamara though. It's too late to sell him. Uh, there's too much. You can't, bad you can't, no, you can't no. sell him. Uh, you're just hoping he gets on the field and can produce something for you in 2023. Are, How about you going to, no, go ahead. Are you going to speculate for a second on Kamara? I don't think so. I don't want to do it. Okay. I'd, I'd rather draft a young guy at the position yep. and, and roll the you. dice on that, I think. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. This is a really fun one because they dipped their toe in free agency and went with Rashad Penny, which seems like a, like a low-key, really nice signing to me. Certainly a guy that if I have, I'm riding it out and hoping that he grabs hold of that job or at least the, the Miles Sanders version of that job and um, stays healthy long enough to, to put up some RB2 weeks. That's a nice fit. Kenny Gainwell's also there. Of course, Boston Scott's been there for a while now. Um, not really a dangerous situation to add a running back. It wouldn't be shocking if they did in the draft uh, because nobody's really that proven, Matt. What, do you, what are your thoughts about these Eagles tailbacks? I mean, I, I want to hold – I agree. I want to hold uh, Penny – just because if he does grab hold of it, I think it's going to be explosive production, right? But we know the story with him, with his injury history, only five games last season before Kenneth Walker took over. Uh, and, you know, one-year deal, this seems like a pretty sweet place for, for a rookie to land. Uh, and I think it could grab hold if something was to happen to Penny uh, from an energy standpoint. Yeah, I completely agree. If they do, um, it, it's a nice spot for sure. Uh, last team. 
we already talked about Rashad White in the lead uh, in the startup, but maybe a dangerous situation for the young tailback from Tampa. Yeah, I just again, I think they're going to add somebody. But the only thing, the only way they don't is if they just have too many other team needs or feel they have too many other team needs to invest in that position. But I don't think it's going to be only Rashad White this season. Yeah, I don't think so either. My, he's going to get the lion's share, especially early in the season, as long as he stays healthy, though. So those were the dangerous running back situations that Matt and I came up with. If you have another team that you think maybe qualifies or we should have talk, talked about, um, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what we missed. But it's time for the Rookie Report. It's time for the Rookie Report. This is a running back show outside of Adam Thielen. We talked about him in the sleeper stash of the week, uh, but we hit running back position in the startup. We did a whole segment of dangerous running backs, and now we're going to do three rookies. What position should we do, Matt? Well, I think we should do some more running backs, Dan. <laughs> yeah, let's talk running backs, and maybe we can talk about some of the guys that are going to take over lead roles in some of the cities that we just mentioned. <clears throat> maybe Atlanta, uh, maybe down there in Los Angeles, as you mentioned. Uh, hopefully Miami. That'd be a nice one as well. Uh, but we're talking mid-round running backs. We're not talking about the big names. We've already talked about guys like Bijan, and we've already hit on uh, Jameer Gibbs and... and uh, Devin A-Chain and Ty J Spears. Let's uh, move on to the mid-round guys, Matt. We're going to start with Mississippi running back Zach Evans. And, you know, I, I know I usually throw it to you right away, Matt, because um, because you watch, you, you know, you're, you're grinding right now, right? Uh, Zach Evans, although he didn't hit 1,000 yards and, you know, he had the nine touchdowns and stuff, if you turn on the film, Zach Evans is fun to watch. He's a guy I I, I kind of like every time I turn it on. And this week, I reacquainted myself with Evans. And once again, he he, he kind of impresses me as a guy. If he gets the draft capital, if he ends up in the third round of the NFL draft and gets that landing spot that we like, I love that burst. I I love the physicality that he runs with. He's He's a big playmaker, and he can do it between the tackles and a little bit on the edge too. Yeah, you're you like him more than I do. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I do like. Uh, okay, let's he, start you know, with he's, that. He's, he's kind of like a he's kind of a no nonsense inside runner that can break it outside if he can get to the second level. It's like getting to that second level. That's sometimes a problem for for him. He doesn't really exhibit too much lateral agility. I think he has questionable vision at times, but once he does get to that second level, he runs with speed. He runs with contact balance and power. I do think the power is sometimes inconsistent. You do see sometimes him go down with kind of glancing blows or arm tackles. Um, but it's, it, it's that build up speed that once he's in that second level, that's when that game breaking ability really gets there, Dan. Um, he seeks out contact, which, you know, depending on the plan of player you like, uh, it's good or bad, I guess. Um, but I, I just, you don't really see him get to the corner against SED, SEC defenses that often. He goes down easily on those low hits, you know, he doesn't pick through the trash of the line very well. Um, so I just, I, I think if he gets there, if he, if he, if he gets to, goes to a team with a really good offensive line that can create that space for him and he's going to follow those blocks, he can be very successful at the next level. I just question his ability to kind of create for himself. Uh, and there's another running back there. 
uh, at, at Ole Miss that uh, outplayed him quite handily, I would say. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but, you know, Evans. Okay. I, Maybe maybe I like him a little. I like that physicality. I like that between the tackles. That guy that can take on t- uh, tacklers. Uh, he's not going to shake anybody or make anybody miss. No, but he has decent balance. Um, and like you said, he likes physicality. He likes running between the tackles, and he's got that burst. He's got that that secondary burst almost after he gets past the line of scrimmage and to the linebacker level. He pulls away from that. That, that safety that's coming down in the box and, and he's good at, at hitting angles and that created those big players. He's, he's got the size and really has the speed. I, I don't know if you saw it, but he had a really nice pro day, uh, Matt. He, he ran a four, four, five 40. Um, and his 20 yard shuttle was four to six. So mm-hmm. that all, all that is inside the top 10 of running backs at the combine. For a guy with that kind of physicality, I think I think his game's going to translate to the next level. Now, I, this is the kind of running back that we're not sure if NFL teams will fall in love with and turn around and hand the ball to 14 or 16 times a game. And I think draft capital will probably point us in that direction, whether the NFL sees him as that. I see him as that kind of tailback. And the guy that's going to get the ball at the goal line, um, you, you mentioned some of the negatives. It, was there, was there anything really that holds you back from liking him as an NFL runner? Yes. Uh, zero in the passing game, like just as yeah. complete zero in the passing game, uh, per this is per JJ Zacharyson, uh, of backs that have a sub 6% reception share and a sub 20% target share. Uh, of the hundreds of running backs that went to the combine since 2011, Chris Carson is the only hit that was below those metrics and mm. Zach Evans is below those metrics. So t- just to me, Dan, I just think he's an under kind of a little bit of an undersized power back who wins with straight line speed in the open field and he doesn't offer anything in the receiving game. And he got, you know, you can say injuries were, were a big, big part of it, but he was usurped by another back. We're going to talk about today at TCU. Uh, and he was usurped by Quinshawn Judkins uh, this season at, at Ole Miss. So he's never been the guy to take over the game. Uh, and maybe that's injuries. Maybe it's coaching staff not liking him, whatever it is. But he's never done it. So I just questioned the fact that he'd be able to do it at the next level, I guess. Well, he he has to end up in that zone scheme, whether it's inside or yes, outside. I agree with that. He's yep. that one-cut guy. Uh, that needs to get downhill and make somebody miss at the second level, either by hitting the angle. Uh, but that that cutback is nice. He's got a really nice cutback at the second level, and I think that that that's going to translate to the next level. I'm I'm a pretty big fan of him. He he's a top five running back in this class for me, Matt. I, I if he gets third round draft capital, which I think is a lock. I'd be shocked if he gets outside the top hundred picks um, and lands in a really nice place. I'm going to, I'm going to get me all kinds of Zach Evans in the second round of rookie drafts. Yeah. We're, we're going to, we're going to, we might have to wait for Ryan to come back and break the tie of where we're going to slot this, this guy. In oh boy. For rankings. <laughs> all right. So um, I was looking at some of the mocks that have been done uh, through at over at DLF and, and he falls at 12 in single quarterback. He went as high as five in one draft and as low as 26 
in those uh, rookie mocks that are done for, for dynastyleaguefootball.com. People are all over the board on him. It's going to yeah. depend on, on how things go draft as far as the NFL draft. Where do you have him ranked right now in this class? I have him all the way down at running back. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I, sorry, I got to count. I got him. I, gotta, I have him in my tier seven with guys like Sean Tucker, with guys like Kendra Miller, who we're going to talk about next, the tight ends, um, below guys like Izzy, Izzy uh, Abanacanda and Tajay Spears and, and Rashawn Oh, my Johnson. goodness. So, yeah, yeah, we're I'm, not going to be able to rank him today, but no. I have him at no. 16 overall. <laughs> And RB5, he is an ideal second-round rookie pick in Dynasty for me. So, uh, McDowell, I know you're 25. listening. You I got him at 25 overall. Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to have to find something, some kind of middle ground here. Um, like, if I had to rank him right now, I'd put him in the Marvin Mims A-chain right in front of Ty J Spears. I'd be okay with that. Um, but if you get him beyond like Cedric Tillman, I'd, I'd have a problem with it. Yeah. See, I'd rather have Hendon Hooker in the same pick, same area. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's just wait on McDowell for that one. We'll wait. We'll uh, we'll update (laughs) y'all on where we rank him. We might end up doing that with all of these guys. The next running back we need to talk about is Kendra Miller. The, uh, the running back out of, um, out of TCU. Matt, what about Kendra Miller? Do you like the most? Uh, he's got now. He's got that prototypical size, uh, surprising legi- lateral agility and speed for someone that's 5'11", 215. He's he's an effort runner. You know, uh, he he's, he just looks so natural running the ball. Uh, he d- never gives up a play. Watch the Texas game for for evidence of that, where he's just dragging guys uh, across the goal line. Um, so those are my favorite parts about him. He's got speed for, for that size. Now he didn't test at the combine or the pro day because of the sprained MCL. So we don't know exactly what his athletic testing numbers, um, could be, but on, on film, he's got the speed and then he shows that at a size that we know is successful in the NFL. He did weigh in though at the combine, it was five yeah. eleven two fifteen. So that's that size that you were talking about. And he's another, he's another one of them power power contact balance type guys, right? He's, he's the guy who can take the hit and stay on his feet. Um, uh, I really like his vision between the tackles. His vision is excellent. Now, sometimes outside the tackles, he gets to, he gets like tunnel vision at the outside and, and misses the cutback from time to time. And that speed that you talked about made up for it a lot in college. I don't know if he's that explosive, and that fast to, to do that at the next level, fast linebackers are going to run him down doing that. So that, that gives me a little bit of pause with him. He's not the, I I know I just said that I like those power backs, those guys between the tackles that can turn it into a really big play. He's missing a little bit of that for me. Um, Not necessarily a guy with that explosiveness and burst. We just talked about Zach Evans making big plays in college and turning those plays between the tackles into 60 yard touchdowns we were missing a little bit of that with Miller so he, he does he's not in the same tier for me he's not that kind of running back for me I know you were down on Evans so so you're going to talk about him in a little bit different light if there's if there's something that's holding you back about his game what might it be outside of that injury it's it's the passing game again. He's just he's, yeah. he's not involved. The six percent best season reception share again puts him in that the only player that has succeeded in the NFL 
um, uh, from a fantasy standpoint with that uh, was Chris Carson. So uh, he I also, you know, he, he's kind of, he's not really a creative runner. He doesn't really create for himself. Uh, he's, sometimes you feel like he's that three yard in a cloud of dust guy, just slamming into the back of the line, uh, trying to take what's blocked. So you don't see a lot of creativity on his running, but really the passing game is usages. And again, it's not that he can't do it. We just don't know. When you see a when you see a, a running back involved in the passing games, it means it's a, he's a versatile player uh, that the offense wants to get uh, the ball in their hands in multiple ways, and that's not, not something we've seen from Kendra Miller at the collegiate level. So hopefully he develops, but it, you know history hasn't been kind to these guys. It's not often that we see players that running backs that are zeros in the passing game in college all of a sudden became become used heavily in that in the NFL. Needs to be needs to get north and south probably needs yes. to stay between the tackles at the next level. Um, you mentioned the passing game. I I didn't see a lot of it. There weren't even opportunities, really, at, at least from what I looked at, Matt. Yep. That doesn't mean necessarily that he can't, but if your college coach doesn't think you can, um, th- that's at least a red flag for us as dynasty players, especially in PPR leagues. Where are you thinking about Miller as far as your rankings, Phil? I actually have him one spot, spot above Evans, so – Okay, so right same, same tier, same tier, but yeah, just one spot ahead. Yeah, he's down there a little bit for me. I'm not, I'm not really looking at. Uh, he, he's not a guy I'm going to end up with on my teams most likely. He's he's drafted in that same range as Evans, uh, sixteen in those mocks that I I referenced before. That's awfully high for a guy with his skill set and his limitations. Uh, fantasy limitations. That is, um, I, I won't be considering him in the second round of rookie drafts. He's he's a guy that's gonna gonna end up a lot lower than that for me. Um, how do you, you square? To- how do you square his production? Because he obviously had a very productive final season, whereas Evans, he just really never did. So that's really the kind of the tiebreaker for me is that production that that Miller did give us last season. Yeah, I. Uh, the production is great, right? He he was in an offense with a lot of NFL talent right there. And, and there yeah. was, a you know, if you were going to go try to beat TCU, were you worried about Miller and, and that running game? Probably not primarily. You're, you're going to try to stop that passing attack because uh, they were so dynamic uh, last season. So I think he benefited from that a little bit. Um, I, I'm concerned about him being – a way better college player, at least in that one year sample uh, at TCU than we'll ever see at the next level. I have them uh, outside my top 25 players uh, right down there at 28 overall. So maybe we're a little bit closer on him. I would prefer yeah. a Banacanda to him if we're comparing. I would agree. To other running. Backs. Agree. So, Agreed. Uh, we'll see what McDowell has to say about that. And let's talk about our last running back. Another mid round type prospect. It's Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. And if McDowell were here, I'd bring him in right away, Matt, and say, uh, this is a guy that if, if you play in Debbie leagues, you know all about Tank Bigsby. He, he's he got the name. He had the early career success at Auburn as well. And the Debbie community uh, gushed about Tank Bigsby and his upside. But things really never came together after that. And he started sliding down uh, Debbie rankings late in his career, Matt, is there something specific about his game that you think might translate to the next level? And if you're a Bigsby guy or if somebody out there is a Bigsby guy, what what are you hoping really plays plays out for him? 
I, I really like him. His, his his real name, if you don't know, Dan, Cartavius. Cartavius, yeah. Mr. Tank Bigsby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he is, uh, gosh, he's just the opposite of, to me, he's, he's the opposite in terms of being an instinctive runner of uh, as Evans and uh, Kendra Miller. Uh, he creates for himself with vision and patience. Uh, and, and you know that he can do that by because that offensive line, real bad. That quarterback, real bad. PFF, according to PFF, 70% of Tank Bigsby's rushing yards came after contact. So he's not getting a whole lot of help. You see him explosive out of breaks, dangerous in the open field with ability to string together multiple moves with lateral cuts to change his speed well. Uh, that lower body that uh, Zach Evans goes down on those low body hits, he does not. He he runs through that contact, drives through arm tackles, pushes piles, finishes runs for extra yards. Um, there's a there's a play against Alabama that I wanted to point out. It's not really that exciting of a play. It's a second and four, and and the safety and two linemen are through the line basically as as soon as he kicks the handoff from the quarterback about six yards behind the line he freezes all three of them in place with this dead leg and shoulder fake inside cut and then beats them all out to the corner for a first down those are the kind of things that you see him doing regularly um for a bad offense with a bad offensive line um so i i really like tank bigsby Uh, i have him well above kendra miller and zach evans flashback to bigsby's freshman year playing in the SEC with a little better talent around him a few years ago at Auburn. And he was, he was dynamic as a freshman, right? He, uh, he looked really good as, as a freshman, very explosive. Of course, he's a track star going back into his high school career and uh, was a five-star prospect and a guy that uh, the Debbie community, once again, they love tanks Bigsby. And when he had that explosive first season down there for Auburn, um, we all saw, thought the sky was the limit for him, but that the limitations across that offense, especially on that offensive line, held him back so much over the last couple of seasons. Um, that ability to break off the big play is very clear. He's not he's not reliant on only one scheme either. He's not just that guy yeah. that you're gonna you have to get him in the zone or you have to get him in a one cut offense. He can create for himself with the vision and explosiveness, and that that translates to the next level, right? And he, he's not just that guy between the tackles that's going to thump you. Um, um, that, that body control and, and, and that, um, that, that size is great. That that's all things that we really like. And, and we want him between the tackles banging on, on the defense, but just like Evans for me, and, and you mentioned some of the diff, uh, the differences there, He's he's not just that thumper between the tackles. He turns that run after making the guy miss or or, or uh, running through an arm tackle. He turns that run into the fifty or sixty yard touchdown. So um, the naysayers are going to say he was so inconsistent. He never put it together again after that freshman year. Um, maybe maybe that the speed isn't always on. Uh, on film, Matt, sometimes he got caught from behind a few times. That makes you think that, oh, maybe he's not quite as explosive or doesn't have that same long speed that we thought. But he's a big back that that kind of reminds me a little bit of Dalvin Cook. Yeah, You know, maybe he can be that kind of player at the next level. I like Bigsby a lot as well. Personally, I prefer Evans slightly, but I have him in my top seven running backs. 
Yeah, uh, I you mentioned Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, he, some are going to point, I think, to Bigsby's athletic testing too. He certainly didn't blow the doors off the combine. Four six five six forty, which was tenth in the class. Thirty two and a half vert was thirteenth. Nine eleven broad was the eleventh. You mentioned Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook had a thirty point five vert, which was two inches shorter or two inches worse than Tank Bigsby, and a nine eight mm-hmm. broad, so three inches shorter. So again, another player that you know didn't necessarily test out athletically, but just has such natural instincts as a runner that he made it work in the NFL. And I think that Bigsby can do the same thing Um, for negatives. You know, I I think he is a little bit limited as a receiver. It's kind of just a jump off option. He's probably not going to be running wide receiver routes out there, but that said, he did lead Auburn in receptions in 2022 with 30. So that shows how important he was to the offense. Yeah. And yeah. And, you know, he has some, I think he has some ball security issues, especially in traffic, but I really like Bigsby. Uh, he's, I think he's going to end up on a lot of my teams, depending on draft capital. Uh, we're talking about him in, in the third round in, in the NFL draft. He's going to be, he's going to get third round draft capital. I hope it's so. landing spot specific, but you know, you can see him running a gap. You can, you can uh, outside zone. That'd be a great fit for him. It, inside zone obviously i'd love to see tank bigsby uh in a get an opportunity to be a primary runner he looks like a like a starting running back in the nfl um and honestly i i compare him to zach evans they're similar players to me similar i want them equally on my teams if i can't get evans i am just fine taking take tank bigsby in round two and that that's probably what we're looking at as far as uh, rookie draft capital. I've, I've been talking about those um, those mocks that were done uh, last month. He comes in at RB10, comes in as high as 12 overall and as low as 25. So again, talking about him as a second round pick, but has the size and certainly has the, uh, has the ability between the tackles um, and that cutback. Also has the patience, Matt. You see the patience on film with him. Yep. He he likes to wait for that crease to open up. He's deadly around the goal line as well, which uh, which scores us plenty of fantasy points as well. So we got through the running back episode. Um, Sands, Ryan McDowell. We'll see what he has to say about these guys and get back to all of you on that. For Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.